0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Today, um, the Lord impresses it on my heart to share about the secret place. When we talk about the secret place, what do we mean? What are we talking about and what will the secret place give you? A very beautiful scripture in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the 6th chapter, the 6th verse, the Bible says that when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, the Bible says shall reward thee openly. Why is this so powerful to share? Why is it so powerful to share about the secret place? That last statement, the Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward you openly. I've already said this and I'm going to emphasize this, that there is no open reward or operation of a man's life on a man's life concerning the things of God without a secret place. It's not possible. Because the gospel is not chances. The gospel is not Guest. Somebody shout hallelujah. You either know God or you don't know him. You either relate with the power of the Holy Spirit a certain way or you don't. You either produce certain results or you don't. Damn matter the falsehood that has been created in our day. A delusion that has no results and answers. No man has an open reward with God and has no secret place. Somebody shout hallelujah. But what we do and how we deal in the secret place is a very important thing because God has promised you that he is a God which seeth in secret. He is the Father which is in secret. The Bible calls him the God that dwelleth in secret. You see? He dwells in secret places. He is a hidden God. (laughs) He has to be found although his expressions and manifestations are everywhere and we can see them, but there are degrees of the praise of God that are not accessible by everybody. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says, when you learn to shut your door and pray to the Father which is in secret, your Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward the opening. If you understand that portion of scripture, you will never compete with another man again. If you understand that portion of scripture, you will never fight another believer again. If you understand that place, you will never compete with anybody again. If you understand that place, you will never compare yourself with anybody again. If you understand that place, you will never evoke carnal responses in your life concerning your promotions and growth. If you understand that place, your life will be seen to have an upward movement and a seamless one without struggle or strife. If you understand that place, if you are a minister, your ministry will change. It will have an evident progress. If you are a working person, a Christian, your career will show that there's another hand on it. There's another hand on it. It's not possible for people to just tune in and listen to Grace Lubega without person of the Holy Spirit. For those who have walked with us in the ministry for so long, there are things you will see and you're sure, I cannot do them. They're not in my ability to do. They're not in my strength to do. They're not in my wisdom to do. They only can come by a certain place in God. And I want to introduce or star some of you into that place you don't want to assume that many of us understand what that place can give and what it does in our lives or how to respond to it. You know, it's one thing for the presence of the things of God to be present to you. It's another for you to have the wisdom to know how to respond to them. That's why we don't cast power to swipe. Because the Bible says they will trample on the powers and later they will turn again and rend you. They'll tear you. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Father, which sees in secret, will reward you openly. If you understand this thing, it will change your life. I emphasize again, it will change your life. You will know where strength comes from, you will know where power comes from, you will know where peace comes from, you will know where increase and multiplication comes from, you will know where the anointing and demonstration of power comes from, you will know where greatness comes from, you will know where wealth comes from you will know where beauty comes from. You'll know where everything comes from. You'll have a source. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, it's a very important aspect for us to understand that, to relate with God from that place and revelation. Now, the reason why it's important for us to emphasize it, especially in this day and time, especially, especially in this day and time, is because not many teachings today are taking us in that place. Today, we have hired, and I believe by deliberate plan and deception of the devil, he has pushed us into a place of being so emotional than we are revelational that the most distinctive voices, even in our generations, are appealing to the emotions of men. Just to deal with a few demons, you know, that are frustrating them. Not even to deliver them from some of these things, but to help them live above some of these things just to live above but not to be fully delivered you see so we can only share oh hope which is important hope is a very important aspect for humanity very important but there's a life beyond that there's a certain place beyond that that's why today we have many christians who are depressed many christians who don't produce the results of praying people Many Christians who are indifferent to the will and purpose of God in our times, this is the reason. Many of them have never had the purity of that revelation of the place that we or should have with God. And that affects everything. It affects our ministries, it affects our marriages. If, for example, God has called your wife into ministry on the front line and you're a husband, or if God has called your husband into ministry and he's anointed of God and you know that he's called of God somewhere in the Song of Songs, how to find the place where, you know, your leader feeds from, to connect to that place. A very important thing to know how to connect because that's the only way the spirits agree. Because spirits are never one. No, people are one in the flesh, Ephesians 5, 25, 26, but they are not one in the spirit. We have different independent spirits. Spirits just agree for two cannot walk together except they be agreed. So that place of agreement is a place where our spirits can connect in the same place. We might have diversities of operations, different ways of execution and walking in the spirit, but our place of the spirit must be agreed. Same spirit, First Corinthians 12, verse 4. Somebody shout hallelujah, but that's for another day. So there are three things that I want to share with you that I believe that the secret place with God should give you or the things that you should be indulged or engaged with when you have your place of prayer with God. Because like I said earlier, not all who pray have the results of prayer. I've taught prayer chords, effective prayer, and I continue to do that because once we can introduce some of you in some of these places, your lives can never remain the same again. Song of Solomon, the second chapter the 14th verse. And I'm going to give us three things that the presence of God will give you. And in this verse alone, there are two of them already. Somebody shout hallelujah. Two most important things. He says, "Oh my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock and in the secret places of the stairs. He says, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. What are those two things that are spoken of to the beloved, or of the beloved? When we talk about the secret place, one of the things that God wants to reveal to you is the vision of his person. To behold his countenance. That's the first one. And the second one is to be able to hear his voice. Those two are different they're different. That's why by scripture also they're differentiated. To see, to behold God in his countenance has a different bearing in the spirit as hearing the voice of God. In the book of Psalms 27, the fourth verse, if you will read from the amplified version, he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, one thing will I seek inquire for and insistently require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life to behold, listen, and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate, consider and inquire in his temple. Did you hear that? Very powerful, very powerful. So the psalmist is telling you: If there is one thing that I seek for, is that I may have a certain place in the presence of God for the rest of my life, and this is the reason why I need that place—one that I may behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and delightful loveliness of the Lord. That's number one—that is to behold His countenance, to be able to see God, to have a vision of God. And I'm going to build that. And secondly and to meditate, to consider and inquire in his temple, to hear his voice, to hear his voice. Very powerful, very powerful. Now, let me begin with that number one, the vision of God, the vision of God. There are many people who are living a misrepresented life, not because within themselves they are bad people, because they have a very misconstrued or sometimes obscure or unclear vision concerning God. Because if you do not have the right vision concerning God, you cannot be instructed right. It is possible for a man to receive instruction, like the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I believe, that causes men to error. A man can receive instruction. will actually mislead you. You can actually read the Bible and it destroys you if you don't know how. In Proverbs it speaks of, seize my son to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. So it's possible to sit in the church or to read the word, but then you are receiving a wrong instruction and man can err from the words of knowledge. So he tells the son to seize to hear a certain instruction. How can the sun see? Is it deliberate that the son or that individual is listening to the wrong message or the wrong instruction? No. It is the obscurity. It's the lack of clarity. The eye is not so precise enough to see and behold God to receive the instruction it must receive. Because there are instructions only the countenance of God can give. Only the vision of God can give. They cannot come through the voice. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, for example, in the book of Psalms 32 verses 8, he says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. And the amplifier says, with my eye upon you. So now listen to that kind of instruction. If you cannot behold the face of the Father, how will he guide you with his eye? And let me give you an example, typical example. Those of you who are raised with guardians of parents, people older than you who you know, were instructors in your life. There were things when we were little. Now I will speak about my family because I have a very principled father, very, very principled guy. He would look at you and you understand everything he's saying. You could do something and he looks at you with this eye of, "Let the guests go. We will deal with this. pray for yourself." But he just looked at you like that, even smiled. Then he looks at you and you know, you are in trouble. Do I have a witness? Yes, sir. So that's a word spoken by his eye. You see that? That's a word spoken by his eye. When you have the right vision of God, you will be able to receive the silent instructions of the Spirit. There are silent instructions. There are hidden instructions that are not available for everybody. You might read the Bible and never find them. And not that they're not in the Bible, but it only takes a special eye for you to be able to get it, to receive that light. Within the light. For in thy light, the Bible says, we shall see light. Somebody shout hallelujah. So there is a vision of God, and that vision has an instruction. For example, if a parent wants to direct their child to go a certain way, okay, and the child can see their father or mother, the mother just points and says, See? Calls a name and says, See? And the child moves because the mother has said, move from that point to another. That's only because that child has vision. That child was blind. That child would not receive the instruction that way. There are things the ears cannot understand. There are things the ears cannot understand. Like there are things the eyes cannot understand. And to have the full circle of divine instruction... A man's eyes have to be opened for you to have the right vision concerning God. I have walked in this life of ministry so long to see people that have made very grave decisions concerning their destinies, their careers, their relationships, their submission and accountabilities because they have a wrong vision concerning God. So sometimes you ask, but this person, they seem to have understood. No, they beheld the wrong vision. One time I was dealing with somebody, and I saw that their life was out of order and out of line. And I took time to pray for them, just to pray for them. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed for them. They did not know that I was interceding for them, but I took a couple of days interceding for them. And the Spirit of the Lord told me, she is under the wrong cloud. You see, there's some dangerous about, you know, dealing with mismatched anointings and graces. Not everybody can minister to you. And not everybody was called for you. Not everybody was called for you. Somebody shout hallelujah. And even as ministers of the gospel, we too have assignments that are different. There are people that I have a certain covenant with. And that covenant is the very language with which I relate to them. So me ministering to you that Thursday and Sunday is more than just a Thursday and Sunday service. God is building your life at that instruction every day. He knew what you needed. He knew who would instruct you. There were many pastors. Like I told people, I was not called to pastor the world, but I have a message for the whole world. Are you hearing me? But in that also, I know those that God has put under my care. I can tell that this one, but this one, this one was called to sit under this message. And God will give them everything, especially if you've come in contact with the message and you have seen it change you from one place to another. doesn't matter how small, but if you can see that change, some of you can look two, three, four, five years back in your life and see that ever since I came in contact with this message, some of you even weeks only. Ever since I came in contact with this message, I'm seeing God differently. You don't trample on that. You don't abuse that. But for a man to be blinded, even from that progress, however little he is, it means that they are dead to the language of that covenant. Because speech is not enough. The words that I'm speaking are not enough. To understand the spirit from where I speak and the language of my ministry to you makes that difference. The Bible says that the earth was one language and one speech. And when the Lord saw that there were one language and of one speech, the Bible says that nothing that they desire to do shall be impossible. Nothing they think to do shall be impossible with them for nothing is restrained from them which they imagine to do. Nothing is restrained. Nothing is held back. They have full access. God could not stop them because the language was one and the speech was one. God could not stop them. He couldn't stop. He couldn't stop them. There was no power because he cannot go against the covenant of language. There are laws that govern language in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so God could not go against that. Even he, if he had to, the only way he could do, he says, now let us go down and confound their language that they might speak differently to each other, that they might not understand each other's speech. What was confounded? Language. The language is confounded. The speech is misunderstood. And you don't need to have a different speech from another man to have a misunderstanding. That is why... You can say one thing and somebody interprets another, and another person says one thing, and another person says, but I said this, but why did you say this? I didn't mean that, I meant this. The speech is not one. Are you hearing me? Even though they speak the same, there's something in the language that is not reconciled. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when we talk about the vision of God, to have the right vision of God is to be aligned to the judgments of the Spirit. To be accurate with the way God judges your course and life itself as we know it. Because there are people who have made decisions to their own destruction. They think God is going this way, but he's not going that way. They think God is going this way, but he's not going that way. I've had in my life people that I've warned, don't go here, you will die. And they go in the mind of seeking that God and they die in the process of seeking that God. They have a wrong vision about the way of God. And how he works. So it's very important for you to have a vision of God because you will receive instructions, the instructions that might not be said by his lips, even though those which are said by his lips are important. I'm going to come to that as secondary, but primarily every man should be able to behold the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, the delightful loveliness of the Lord. You should be able to have a vision of God. I shared a story once many years ago as a university. We used to isolate ourselves with a group of guys. We used to go to pray. So we went to pray once. First time, I had this. Not that I did not have a vision of God, but this was a unique one. As we were worshiping, we isolated ourselves. Everyone privately started to pray to God. And as I was praying, standing before, there was a lake just at the end. It was a green place. And my eyes were lifted, literally my spirit My spirit could see more than my physical eyes could see. And afar off, (laughs) I find that I'm in heaven. And I'm before God. And I saw the angelics, the cherubim, the seraphim. I could define them. In fact, later when I went to read the scriptures on how the seraphim looked like the cherubim, It blew me because I saw it even before I understood how they look like. And so, when the Bible says that he dwells in the light where with no man can approach, it's important that you never forget this, that it's a place where with no man hath seen. Who has understood what I just said? So a man, physical man, cannot see it. See? That I mean that the spirit cannot connect. Spirit in us has a reality of experience that no language has for. So he dwelleth in the light which no man approacheth. So I could see the light in which he dwells and it was so bright that there was no face that I could see with that ability within me as a man to see. But the essence of the spirit man in me went deeper And all I could see was that full revelation of his person and his nature. See, when the Bible speaks of Moses, how he knew the ways of God, when he's speaking to Aaron and Miriam, he says, When I speak to prophets, I speak to them in visions and in dreams, but that is not how so I speak to my servant Moses. For the Bible says he beholds the very similitude of God. If you read that from the Amplified, it will say that him I speak mouth to mouth directly, clearly and not in dark speeches, and he beholds the very form of the Lord, the very form of the Lord. He beholds the similitude of God. And how then would he speak to him mouth to mouth if he's not facing him? How would he speak to him mouth to mouth if he is not facing him? And the result of that is that Moses knew the ways of God. He knew the ways of God. That is why he speaks to Miriam and Aaron. them, aren't you afraid to speak against the man who I speak differently from the way you behold? So yes, there's a place for the prophetic. There's a place for the accuracy of the prophetic, depending on the call of God and the intensity of that call and the assignment on the prophet. But don't confuse that with the vision of God. Those two are different. A man can flow in the prophetic and be so accurate in ways that would shock everything out of your skin, but yet not be able to have a perfect vision of God. You can see how they deal in the weight of things. Many of them are weighed. of oh God, you have been weighed in the balances and you've formed one team. How does God weigh us? Somebody shout hallelujah. How does God hold us in the balances? How does he judge our ministry? and our place with him. It's a very deep thing, very deep thing, but let's go back to Moses. Moses beheld the very form of God, and God used to speak to him face to face, so he had a different vision. That is why if you study the life of Moses, Moses did not move with the children of Israel. Moses moved ahead of the children of Israel. Moses was not in their place, He could sit and eat with them. They could be indifferent with him. He can go 40 days up and be with God and come back and they have long forgotten that God and build uh, molten images, graven images, uh, worshiping other gods even with all they have seen. They could even assume. In fact, that's why Aaron and Miriam are deceived. You see? That's why the sin of Korah comes through because they assume that Moses is where they are. You see what I'm saying? But when a man or woman sees God face to face, they are different. Something on their life is different. The expressions of how they reveal God is different because they've seen and been places you have not been before. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Moses had a place with God and he was never with the children of Israel. That is why when you read In his writings, when he's writing, for example, he says, And God led not the children of Israel through the land of the Philistine, even though it was shorter, for he said, perhaps they will see woe and in fear turn back to Egypt. Moses is recording this, he's reporting this, he's writing this. Are you hearing me? But he's saying that I knew the way through the land of the Philistine. It took the servant's heart and the pastoral grace on my life to walk with them those 40 years in the wilderness, even though there was a shortcut, because they would see and fear. And if fear grips them, the Bible says they would repent when they see war and return to Egypt. So the pastor in him says, let me walk 40 years with you Through this journey, 38 years on the Mount of Seir, a rebuke comes, they have to move on. But that doesn't mean that Moses was with them. He wasn't with them. That's why when he's recording, he says, he led them not. That means I'm not among them. For he saw, the Bible says, they would fear woe. He's not among them which fear woe. He knows the way of God, but he is not able to impart it in them. And out of the humility of God's love revealed to him the respect of the recompense, the Bible says because he had a vision of Christ. Later we see now when Paul is speaking in Hebrews that when Moses was full of age, he refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, 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 even before he came in the flesh, Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, you see, you see? So there was an endurance for him to walk with them well. He could carry them, but that didn't mean he belonged there. If Moses was walking alone, he would have gone from the separation of the sea, from the parting of the sea into the promised land, he would have only needed a 12 to 14 days journey. He should have been there. So he's delayed for 40 years because of his ministry to them. Even when Moses is teaching about the law, he knows the ministry of grace. The Bible says in Deuteronomy. And so the righteousness of God speaks this wise. So he has a language for the righteousness of God and how it speaks. So in later Paul is quoting him, He's quoting him from a place where he knew the difference of the covenants. He gave the law and he knew that this was only that men would come to repentance and that they would receive of the ministry of reconciliation, which only is in Christ through the imputation of righteousness. Otherwise, he saw it. He saw this day. He knew our days. He was not a man who was behind time. He was not just being used from a place of little understanding. That man was big. Moses knew the ways of God. But why? Because he has a certain vision. Concerning God, the Bible calls him a man which was stuttering and stammering. The New Testament calls him the mighty orator. The Bible says in Acts 721, Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words, in deeds. So how is he mighty in words and deeds? And yet in the Old Testament, he's a man which stammers. No, when he beholds the form of God, there's a purification of his tongue. There's a consecration of his language. And to ask who he communicates to a certain way, we see one of the most eloquent speakers that the Bible has ever seen. But many who see him after the flesh see a stutterer. Why? Because they don't have the right vision of God. They don't have the right vision of God. So one of the most defining experiences of a secret place is having the right vision of God. Number two, the voice. The voice. The Bible says in Psalms 81, verses 7, you called in distress and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. He tells them, Sella, think about it. Pause and calmly think that through. Somebody shout, hallelujah. So you see, <laughs> and that's the irony. Why did I choose that portion of scripture? Not because in the scriptures before, I have not showed us that God speaks to us in the secret place. But how he speaks in the secret place of the thunder. I thought thunder was supposed to be a boisterous sound. You see? Then he says, even in that which is so loud, (laughs) I know how my voice comes through to you. Again, it's separated how we receive in the flesh, how we hear in the flesh, and how we hear in the spirit. There's a very, very clear difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And why is it important? Well, somebody say, oh, it's important to hear the voice of God. But why is it important to hear the voice of God? Like I said, there are instructions that can only come through vision. But there are also instructions that can only come through the ear. But if the ear is not tuned right, there's certain instructions you'll never be able to receive even though you see. Even though you read of the lips of a father and see the movement of the parts in his hand, you might not be able to have a clarity of instruction because you don't have the voice. Your inner ear cannot hear. I'm not talking about the physical ear. I'm talking about the inner ear. I cannot tell you how many people have said, God told me. And yet, God has not said anything. I cannot tell you how many familiar spirits are in the closets of men. In fact, in one portion of Scripture, the Bible says they defile the secret places. Why? Because by lust and indifference, it's very possible to invite another spirit in your place of relationship with God. And is a humble God, He does not contend for places. Even when the children of Israel carry Baal into the holy place, God flees and tells them, Look, keep your building, keep your place, because I don't need that space to function. I am God. But it's very possible to defile your secret place. It stays, but it is defiled. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. In Ezekiel, he speaks of the pollution of that place. So, in the place where a man is supposed to hear God, they hear another. That is why a man can open the Bible and preach a false doctrine. But be very sure (laughs) that it is God speaking. The Bible speaks of the robbers that have entered into the secret place and defiled it. Who is the robber? Satan. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. You see? What does it steal? The place where man hears God, revelation, is Satan's biggest threat because it's God's redemptive power. The redemptive power of God is in the confines of his revelation. If you can get that revelation keenly on your spirit, there is nothing in your life that cannot be changed. That's what's really stolen. And I have seen people in my walk of Christianity that were robbed of certain places. They beheld the truth once. And when you meet them, they have a very wrong notion concerning the truth. Or some even sit under the message and you think they understand it. And then one day they do or act or respond to something that is so opposite, the truth. You're like, how could you sit under somebody who teaches this kind of message and switch tomorrow and go to this kind of message? Because they don't know the difference of the voices. See? See? One day, somebody sent me a video. He said, Apostle Grace, listen to this guy. This guy preaches exactly like you. So I looked at the video, and as I was going to open it, the Spirit of the Lord told me, don't open it. I know nothing about the man. I have nothing against him, but the Spirit of the Lord tells me, don't open it. I didn't open it. I deleted it immediately. I'm that kind of person. A couple of weeks again, later somebody comes, oh, 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 if somebody speaks like you, open this video. I couldn't. The Spirit tells me, no, don't. Three or four times it came. I couldn't. I couldn't. And so now I get disturbed that the Spirit does not allow me to open the video. I'm disturbed. Why won't the Spirit allow me to open the video of a guy who talks like me? (laughs) Those people didn't know the difference between the voices. And so they cannot tell the difference because they don't understand the language. They judge against speech. And when they judge against speech, they think that we're the same voice. We're not. You see, (laughs) it's practically Impossible to say that two people speak the same when they are two different prints in the spirit, when they give two different sounds in the spirit, and that means that they are wrong. Both can be right and true and aligned because the anointing is diverse, but it takes a special grace to tell the difference between voices, it takes a very special grace. It's a very special grace. They don't need to be both wrong. Both can actually be sent by God. But they're different. But you cannot tell the difference. Even worse, we even have people who are off tangent. They're not even speaking for God. But you're in a generation that can't tell the difference. These are the servants of the Most High God which have been sent to us to show us the way of God. These are the servants of the Most High God, which have been sent to show us the way of God. She's crying that the servant of the Most High, they are to show us the way of salvation. If it found a person who knows no difference between the voices, that girl was going to become a prophetess in the church. Because she is speaking. They have come to show us the way of God, the way of salvation. She's pointing to the cross and justifying the ministry of men who know the difference in the voices and many days the bible says she did that but the man who knows the difference says no this was not the holy spirit in fact every time she spoke the bible says paul was grieved paul was grieved every time she spoke paul was grieved the bible says one day he turns and speaks to the spirit and he tells it i command thee in the name of jesus come out of her And the Bible says, and that spirit came out of her that very hour. And she did not speak that language anymore. So it's possible for Satan to give a speech that quite does not relate with that place where man is. How many people even understand what I'm saying? How many people understand what I'm saying? You see, all of these things I'm sharing is to help you know even what to ask for in this service. For a man or a woman who is speaking these things and carries the wisdom of God, you already know what I am telling you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. The voice of God is very, very important. That is why I tell people, why would a man assume that they hear God? God. Oh, insist that they hear God, and they don't have the glory that comes with hearing God. One time I said a statement was so open, but only for those who read to understand. Look at every man in Scripture who had the voice of God and was obedient to that voice. Hearing God is more than just hearing an instruction. Because some of us, even at places of maturity, define how or what instructions we receive. But when you say that you have heard God from the place where men are supposed to, not just hear, but are supposed to hear God, there is something that has to happen on your life. There is something that has to happen on your life. Something must change on your life when you receive the right voice and from where you're supposed to hear from. Because again, some of us have not matured to that place. Job 22 speaks of how men acquaint themselves. How a man should acquaint himself with God. See? And this is deep. The Amplified speaks of how we have to agree with God. agreeing with God. Do you know the voice of God that speaks to a man who is agreeable is different from the voice that speaks to a man who is not agreeable and might not be agreeable either because he is rebellious or he is indifferent to the right lining of the spirit. He says, agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to his will. Be at peace. And by that, the Bible says, you shall prosper and good shall come to you. And the next line 22 says that, Receive, I pray you, the law and instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. Receive instruction from his mouth. because there's many ways of receiving instruction. When you receive it from his mouth, when you have that proximity to hear him a certain way, you'll be amazed at how he speaks. You'll be so amazed at how he speaks. When you speak to a little child, it's different from when you speak to an adult. It's your voice, but you're speaking differently. <laughs> you're speaking differently. If you're dealing with a baby, you can only play with them, you can only give instructions of imitation. They don't have an identity yet, they don't know the price of commitment. All of those are stages of growth. They can't relate to the assignment of life. So when you speak to a little child, you speak to them as a child because they think as a child. See? And Paul as a child, he thought as a child, he spoke as a child. This is when he grows up, he throws away childish things. Why does he throw them out? That God would speak to him as an adult. To them which are mature, Paul says, We do impart this wisdom. To them which are mature, he says, We do impart this wisdom. And not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to nothing. Even the wisdom of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So God speaks to us differently. Many people can only take milk. If you give them meat, you'll kill them. (laughs) That's why it's in the responsibility of the apostolic to become all things that we might serve some. Paul says in Romans that we are a debtor to the Jew and the barbarian. We're a debtor to all of those people. Even to them which are in Rome, he says, I am ready to come because I'm a debtor to the wise and unwise. But because I'm a debtor to the wise and unwise, like Romans says, it doesn't mean that when I get to the unwise, I give them what I give to the wise. No, I give differently. But yet, even though you give us to the unwise, some even in that they can refuse to receive. You are a debtor. You're still a debtor. As a man of God, you are mandated to teach whether they receive you, respond to you, understand you or not. You are still mandated to preach that gospel because you don't want to be accountable of their blood. You don't want to be accountable of their blood. Somebody shout, hallelujah. So the psalmist tells you, I want to meditate. I want to consider. I want to inquire. So how can you inquire? How can you ask? How can you, you know, seek answers without a precedent expression? There has to be a voice. You must hear. God speaks and says, okay, I didn't understand here. Help me explain this. I didn't understand this. Help me elucidate this. Give me a clearer picture of this. You must be able to hear the voice and the voice of the mature is different from the voice of the young. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say amen. Lastly, now this is the common one that many of us know. eh? The common one, Psalms 91 verses 1. Let's read the Amplified. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, shall remain stable, and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe or enemy can withstand. This is the third. The protection of God. Protection of God. The hand of God to keep you. So you receive the vision of God in the secret place, you receive the voice of God in the secret place, but you walk under the protection of the Most High. Now he's speaking here. Unfortunately, many people only know this. And it's so dangerous to only know the protection of whose voice you can't hear, of whose countenance you cannot behold. Because then how will he instruct you out of trouble? How will he lead you out of contention and wickedness. You see, you need to understand those two, then you'll understand this. But it says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Some people underestimate the protection of people who dwell in certain places with God. Some people misunderstand it. Or some actually don't have a full understanding or no understanding. And when you start seeing God a certain way and hearing God a certain way, there's a certain protection that comes on your life. It cannot be defined by somebody who has not heard God a certain way or seen God a certain way. That is why some of you worry for nothing. You worry for nothing. Because I guarantee you with what you have seen and had with God, it's impossible for some things to destroy you. It doesn't matter what name they carry. It doesn't matter what name they carry. I've seen enough in God to know that I I cannot die before my time. I cannot die before my time. I cannot die before my time. I know it. I know it. The day I go to heaven will be that day. (laughs) The evil one has nothing in me, Jesus said. The prince of this world has nothing in me. You see what I'm saying? He has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. It doesn't matter what you see or feel. He has nothing in you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when he speaks of how we dwell in the secret place of the Most High and how we abide under the shadow of his wings and that no power of any foe can withstand you, it means that the more God reveals and shows you is the more steadfast he establishes you. is the more stability that he puts on your life because he guards what he has invested in. He guards it. He guards it. There is nothing the vision and voice of God cannot take you out of. There is nothing the secret place with God cannot take you out of. It can take you out of anything. Even the deepest trouble that the world knows, it can change it. It can change it. It can change it. it. You see, some of us assume that all the men that we have in Scripture all had fine and straight lives. We had men with weakness. We had men who were falsely accused. Either way, what God had shown them and what they had had in God preserved their testimony. You see, some people think it's an easy thing that a man is in prison for raping Potiphar's wife, attempting to rape. Or raping, I don't know what she says. And somehow something happens to Pharaoh. And it's almost as though the nation has forgotten. And the salvation of that nation is on that man. You see what I'm saying? Falsely accused. Let's just say, David, killed Uriah. So yes, he made an error. The Bible says, but David served God in his generation and he went to be with the Lord. Even after that, he still is a man after God's own heart. God didn't take it away from him. Why? Because he knew how to find God. He knew that place. I'm not saying that that justifies you to do wrong. For if you do that because you have a place where you go toward God, then you have not yet understood God. Underline that. You've not yet understood God. You cannot willfully or deliberately do something because you have a place with God. That's foolish. You can use your liberty as a clock of vice. Hmm? But anyway, he says that when you abide under that shadow, and why is that shadow cast? Because it's in a secret place. Without that place, there's no shadow of protection the Bible says, that's a place where no enemy can withstand. I will say of the Lord that is my refuge and my fortress. In Him I lean and rely and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with pinions and under His wings shall I trust and find refuge. His truth and faithfulness are shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanderers of the wicked that fly by day, nor of the pestilences that stalk in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprises and lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand on the other, but it shall not come near me. Only a spectator shall I be, inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as a witness for the reward of the wicked. He continues to say, I have made the Lord my refuge and the Most High my dwelling. Therefore no evil shall befall me or any plague or calamity shall come near my tent for he will give his angels special charge over me to accompany me and defend me and preserve me in all my ways of obedience and service toward him. They shall bear me up on the hands, lest I should dash my foot against a stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the other, the young lion and the serpent. I shall tread and trample underfoot because I have set my love on him. Therefore, he shall deliver me. He will set me on high because I know and understand his name. I have a personal knowledge of him and he will never forsake me nor leave me. Verses 15 he says, I will call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. And with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation.
1: My chains will gone. I've been set free My God, my Savior Hath wrestled me And like a flood His mercy raised Unending love Amazing grace, help me quiet my, my chains are gone. gone. I've been set free. My God, God my, my Savior, Savior has run God so in me. me. Tell him one more time. My chains are
0: Father, in the name of Jesus thank you for revealing the place that we have with you. And I pray for every man and woman at the sound of my voice that may you have the clearest vision of God and the most distinctive voice for you. And in all of these things the protection of God is on your life. He says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you in this world. He says, Go heal the sick, go cast out devils, cleanse the leper, and raise the dead. He says, For lo, I am with you to the end. God is with you. His hand is on you, His protection is on you. Healing comes right now for the sick. For the bound God is delivering. I sense an anointing right now that is going on certain people and is stirring you into the deepest place than you have ever been before with God. May God separate you. May he work in your life more than ever before. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat these words after me. Just receive him tonight. There's nothing, nothing you need to do except to say these words. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus, for he shed his blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041 466. 4291 or email us at funerocampala at gmail.com you can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still feel free to join us every thursday for our weekly fellowships at uma multipurpose hall from 5 p.m to 8 p.m you can also catch the live stream at livestreamcom funero funero make
1: manifest